0: Hey, Adam Smolcombe here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. My goodness, how good it is to gather with the saints and glorify our God. Isn't it great to be gathered together? I wanna welcome you to Vive Church and everybody who came out and found a seat Everybody who's online or in another campus joining us today, we're so glad that on the second Sunday of the year, you decided to be in church. That's great. How many people are two from two? How many people have already got perfect attendance? I don't know what that gets you, but it's gotta be something. It's gotta be something in the celestial elements of heaven. You get a a robe of righteousness or some kind of cool, I don't know, Palace and NFT. You get an NFT these days. (laughs) Amazing, amazing. But if you've caught us for the first time, welcome. Whether this is the first time this year or first time ever, we're so glad that you came out to Vive Church. And uh, we're better for it. And we are in week two of our series, Infinite. Series we kicked off last week and we already know that God is stirring something in our community. Like this series is doing stuff, it's stirring stuff. God's... God's developing something. So why don't we do something as we enter into the second instalment. Grab your Bibles out, open up to 1 Kings. Let's get the Word of God out together. We're gonna use this as our next revelation. 1 Kings chapter 17. And as you make your way there, I'm gonna read from verse eight, which says, Then the Word, of the Lord came to him, talking about Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die elijah said to her do not fear go and do as you have said but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son for thus says the lord god of israel the bin of flour shall not be used up nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the lord sends rain on the earth so she went away and did according to what the word of elijah and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which He spoke by Elijah. Whew, last Sunday, we started this series with a sermon called A Little Tent. Today, we're gonna continue with a sermon I'm entitling A Little Oil. A Little Oil. A Little Oil. A Little oil, a little oil. As Brandon says, all. No I in that, just oil, little oil. Come on, turn to your neighbour and say little oil. You got a little oil in you. And because we are fasting in this season, let's go ahead and pray, God, we love You. Jesus, we glorify You. Lord, we magnify Your mighty Name today. God, we know that today is a strategic day in Your mind for what You wanna put in Your people. So God, as Your people, we ready ourselves and we open our hearts to receive and digest everything that You have for us. God, we're hungry for You. God, we have an appetite for more of what You've got. So God, we give You permission to release it, that it will change us. We pray this in Your mighty Name, Amen. Amen, Amen. God bless you, church. Go ahead and find a seat. Thank you, Vive Worship. Outstanding. Amazing, amazing stuff. So here we are, church, nine days in, not only to the year, but in the nine days into the fast. How are we all doing? How are we doing? Nine days in a 10-day full fast. I'm not going to really ask you how you're enjoying it. Uh, Some things need to be endured, (laughs) not enjoyed. And uh, I've just been, I've been watching my, some of my staff members who have been also uh, fasting with just water, just water for the last nine days straight. And uh, they're, you know, they're not looking like they're enjoying life at all, to be honest with you. Uh, But the breakthrough is worth it in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name, and and we're getting there. Actually, I I asked someone this morning, how you doing? They're like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. I, they, they said they, they often thought they would never be able to miss a meal, let alone nine days, no eating. And it got me thinking, what, what are some, what's the hardest thing you've ever done? I wonder what that is. What's the hardest thing you've ever done? I wonder if, if maybe there is a connection between doing hard things. I think, we're, I think we're actually designed to do hard things. I'm convinced we're designed to do hard things. Whether it's doing something hard or facing something hard, I don't know which one's harder or which one's easier. Like for example, well, you know, it's always hard if you had to break up with somebody, but what about the one being broken up with? What's what's harder? What about letting go of an employee that you like or being the employee that got let go? Which one's harder? Maybe it's a difficult conversation. For instance, waiting for a marriage proposal, that can be difficult because you don't know how long that's going to be. When is that going to happen? When's that spouse going to come? This can be difficult. But just think for a minute, the person who has to make the proposal. And I'm not just saying asking the spouse, the the, the, the potential spouse, you should know. That should be easy. Like if you're asking somebody and you don't know, think about it, okay? (laughs) Pause, back up, get to know each other a little more. Make sure you know, because you should know the ring size. She should be pretty much leaving it. Obvious, ask me to marry you. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about asking dad. Hello, I'm talking about the the, the rite of passage. And if you're trying to ask someone to marry them without asking the father, don't be a sneaky little whatever you are. Don't do that. Don't go down the back door. Don't go the back route. Go straight on. Be a man. Ask the father, whoever the father figure is in that situation, get the permission. Because it's a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage. In fact, I think it's probably one of the hardest things I ever did. I had to ask Kira's father to marry her. It was awkward. It was so awkward. We didn't talk all that much. I mean, we talked, but it wasn't like we just had talks. And, and I thought, I don't know how to do this. There wasn't any guidelines. I didn't have any rule book. There was no, I didn't think there was Google back then when we got married. And, and so there was no way I could cheat sheet on how to propose and ask, you know, your father-in-law for daughter's hand in marriage. And so I had to make it up. I know, I know the best thing to do. Let's do it around food. Let's, let's go out. And I, I, I decided breakfast. So I didn't have to churn over it all day long, you know, and wait for dinner and get anxious, you know. So I thought, breakfast, first thing in the morning, let's go. So I asked him out for breakfast. He thought that was weird. We'd never had breakfast together ever. And so, and so we're sitting down at breakfast. And I didn't even know how to time it during the meal. Do we wait to after the meal? Do we do it before the meal? I really like bacon, so I didn't want him to be upset with me. And then I don't get to eat my bacon, you know. So I just decided, let's eat and then let's chat. And, and, and then I couldn't wait. So I was like, I just started with my speech. I said, hey, hey, Steve, you know I really love your, your daughter, Kira. And he's like, hold up, uh, can I get some ketchup, ma'am? And I'm like, what are you doing? Like I'm trying to do a thing here. And, and then every time I go to ask, he would interact with somebody else and he would interact. I think he was having fun. And then when it came down to me asking, he's like, I, I can see this is difficult for you. I said, yeah. He's like, well, think about it for me. I hadn't thought from the other end. You see, I thought it was difficult to ask to get something. What about when you're being asked to give something? I didn't think from that level. In fact, I wonder if it's confusing sometimes which one's harder, doing hard things or facing hardships. Oh, stay with me. We're going to preach today. Don't worry about that. I wonder what's more difficult. Is it facing off with hard things or going through hardships? You're in in good luck with whatever it is. This whole passage includes both. Here with Elijah, we've got a situation where you've got someone doing hard things and people going through hardships and God is using it all together in the mix. For context, what we have in this passage or this setting is a severe famine where we find Elijah living in a brook, being fed by little ravens. Like just these little ravens, this is how the man of God, the prophet of God is, being, is living. He, he's surviving by a small water stream and, and little ravens coming along and dropping off little bits of food. I don't know how, many, how much ravens can carry. I have seen them carry a squirrel before, so that's kind of a lot. But by but, but bringing little bits of like food and, 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 and that's how he's surviving. In this situation, not only that, we then see him ask a widow for a little bit of water. He says, add to that a little morsel of food to which she reveals, I ain't got any food. All I've got is a little oil and even worse, only a little longer to live. The situation's pretty dire. We're in the midst of a limited setting. However, can I suggest to you in the midst of all the limitation that we have on display here, More than a scene or a setting based in limitation, I wonder if it actually reveals more about God's infinite power than their lack. I I wonder. Because if we were to zoom out to another elevation and look from the big picture, what we will find is this entire situation is a result of God flexing His infinite power over the elements over the elements, over the rain, and being able to prevent it. For context, we we see that if we go back a few verses to the beginning of chapter seven, at the beginning of chapter 17, we're gonna find the introduction of Elijah. First time in Scripture, you see Elijah. Elijah comes in with no introduction. There's no formal introduction at all, no background, no setup, no lineage given, and there isn't even mentioned that he's a prophet. We just enter with him having a conversation with the king. We simply see the opening verse of 1 of Kings chapter 17 reveals uh, where he's from and his prophecy. Let me show you, it says, Now Elijah, in, in verse one, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then, then what we see is he immediately escapes to the brook where he hides out until he gets his next assignment from God. So so what we see from a limited perspective is limitation. But if we go ahead just for a second and we zoom all the way out, we see that this is actually God revealing His infinite power to hold up the rain. He can affect the elements. He can do it. He can cause a famine to dry things up. God does this all the way through Scripture, by the way. Flexes his infinite power. We see it with Joshua when he holds the sun to stand still in the sky. Giving them extra daylight hours so they can have victory over their enemy. We see it with Moses in the Red Sea. That God causes the Red Sea to stop dead still so that the Israelites can escape Pharaoh. We even see this with God himself in Jesus Jesus walking on top of the water, through the wind, through the waves. He doesn't just stop there. He steps into the boat and with one word, He speaks calmness to the wind and the waves. Jesus loves to reveal His infinite power through the elements. Through the elements. And in this situation, we have exactly that. We have Jesus, God, sorry, speaking over the elements, causing the rain to stop, specifically, to reveal to the king, I'm better, I'm greater, i got more power. King Ahab was a squirrely king. King Ahab had caused a lot of trouble and God needed Elijah. That's a tough, that's a tough thing for Elijah, to go before the king. This is his first public appearance. <laughs> okay, God, I want to be your prophet. What do you want me to do? Go to the king and tell him he's going to starve. But he does it, he fronts up to the king and he says there's gonna be a famine. This is God holding up the elements. And in this setting, while God is holding back the rain to deal deal severely with a, a wicked king, Ahab, it is also severely affecting this widow who's about to starve and die. Have you ever been negatively affected by someone else's stupidity? You ever been in that situation? As if you're paying the, The price or the consequences for somebody else's dumb actions. I mean, it's one thing to deal with the uh, consequences of your own dumb decisions. I think we all get that on a deep level. We know I deserve this. But what about when it's not your fault at all? What about when you had that abusive father? What about when it was just an economic downturn? Or, Or a pandemic, can we say that? Something had nothing to do with your fault, but you're still paying the consequences where you feel like an innocent spectator only to realize that you're sitting squarely in the splash zone. (laughs) You know about the splash zone? Been to SeaWorld. My my dad took us when we were younger, teenagers to SeaWorld. And uh, we're having so much fun at SeaWorld. And we realized that the Orca show was on. And so we rushed in, but it was right at the beginning. Like we were late. It was right at the beginning and we rush in and everything's packed. Every seat's taken, except for the front row. We are like, favor ain't fair. Check this out. <laughs> we just looking at each other like, what? Make way, here we go. And then we just wave to people and take our seat, you know, courtside. And uh, it was funny because the, you know how moments collide, like just collide, where the moment you start to ask yourself, I wonder why it's wet here. And then all of a sudden a killer whale wave, wave just comes over us and we're drenched. We're in the splash zone. The whole day we're walking around drenched. Everyone's laughing at us. They sat in the splash zone, but that's what it's like. Sometimes that's how we approach life. Like, like, I'm like this because because of something else. We love to project. We love to. It wasn't my fault. I'm just in. I'm in the splash zone. I'm. I'm. It was my family. It was my upbringing. It was was my heritage. As what I didn't get. As what my generations before me didn't provide for me. I'm just sitting in the splash zone here, and we we have this perspective, and this is what we've got here. We've got we've got this widow in a situation who finds herself in a famine no fault of her own and confronted with lack and about to die. And upon the prophet asking her for a little bread, she, she replies, I don't got any bread. <laughs> I feel it with, a, I don't know how you read the scripture, I read it with a little bit of attitude. <laughs> I don't got any bread. All I got is a little oil. Little, little flower, I'm gonna make it with these little sticks. Everything's little. Yeah. Just little sticks, then we're gonna die. <laughs> wow. Just a little oil. In fact, can we do something today? Because uh, last week I preached with the tent and I had so many people tell me how much they love visual learning, Pastor. It helps me. So I'm here to help you. I'm here to help the people. I thought I'd take it next level. Instead of visual, I thought I'd give you something tactile today. Would that, would that help? Because I really feel like we need to get a handle on this. So, so, so can we actually pass out the, the little, little vials of oil? I, I've got some oil for you. i got a gift. If nothing else, let it be your New Year's gift from me. We have got some oil. Yeah, if we could just pass out the oil, if we could do that a lot faster than what you're doing, that would be fantastic because I go and preach and I know people cannot pay attention to two things at once. As soon as this gets in your hand, you're not hearing anything I'm saying. So this thing, if you're not here in person, if you're at home, go into your own cupboard, just grab whatever oil you got, because I feel like this is gonna be important for you to picture what God wants to put in you today. I feel like God wants to get something in you, in you, deep in you, in you in the revelator. God wants to get something right in your mindset, understanding, it's the beginning of the year and this is gonna be so important to understand. Because this is what we calculated looking at some of some of the scholars, and I don't know how they figure it out, but this is the suggested measurement of what she meant by a little oil just enough for one more meal. Just a little bit, not even a full jar, just a little bit of oil. Once you've got that oil, just hold up that little oil. Just a little bit. Can't do a lot with this. In fact, when you look at this, you, you kind of see how much is missing more than how much you got. <laughs> not even a full jar. What is this church? Can't even give us a full jar of oil? Preaching generosity. <laughs> just a little, little oil. This is, this is, all oh, she's, she's got, she's got, she's got the jar with the potential to hold more, but it's just got a little, just a little bit, just a little bit left. This is the, this is the reality of her life that all she's got left is a little, a little oil to use. And this is what's confronting is that Elijah is asking for the little she's got. In fact, whether you actually put this on your mantle later and you use it to reflect on the sermon or you just use it, it it's got many uses, it's useful. It's a good gift because oil all can be used in so many different settings. Did you know this? In fact, the Bible reveals so many settings where oil is used. For instance, right here, oil is used in cooking. We can see that it's used in many different aspects and and dimensions of cooking in the Bible. However, in a similar situation with Elisha, Elijah's protege and a widow, we we see it's very similar, but we see oil was a means of trade and provision. Among its many other uses in Scripture, we're going to see in Exodus 27 that oil was used in the tabernacle to provide light says this in verse 20, command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. And we also see that oil is used for healing. James 5, 14, maybe you know this one. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. My wife does this all the time. She has like a little, like, like a little like, side stash of oil she keeps in her purse and she's whipped it out many times. Like we've had people, we've been at dinner and someone's like, yeah, I haven't been feeling well. She's like, bam, and she's, getting the, and she's just wiping them and she's praying for them. She believes there's powerful stuff. She's casting demons out with oil. In a similar vein, oil is used for anointing of authority and leadership. In 1 Samuel 16, we see this with David. When David was anointed by Samuel, it says, So David stood there among his brothers, and Samuel took the flask of olive oil, and he brought it and anointed David with the oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. oil is significant. Actually, oil in the Bible, throughout the Bible, represents the Spirit of God and the power of God. Even when Jesus is talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's in reference that He will be poured out without measure. In similar vein to Elijah and Elisha's miracles, where the oil kept flowing and didn't stop flowing. Jesus wants you to know that's the same with the Holy Spirit. It's not a limitation. that's enough. No, no, He's just pouring, He's pouring, He's pouring, and it's flowing. And if you can receive it, you can have it. This is what God wants you to know. This is how the Holy Spirit is pictured, like oil, like oil, like oil. That's why we, when, when we lay oil on people like the, the apostle said, we're leaving a residue similar to the presence of God. Everywhere you go, the presence of God leaves you. Everywhere you put your foot, there's a residue of the man of God or the woman of God because they're saturated with the presence of God. The Bible says wherever you put your foot, you have dominion in that place. You're marked it now. It's the kingdom territory because you have the oil. It's the oil of the anointing, the oil of authority. There's so much potency in the oil. The oil is significant. The oil is good to remember. You know, when it feels like things are dry and they're not working in ministry, that's because you need to get with the Holy Spirit and get some oil in your life. Get some things flowing. You will burn out without the oil. You hear people talking about burnout. It's because they stopped burning with oil. They started burning up the wick and they ran out. But as long as there's oil, you can keep burning. You can keep burning. Just need to keep feeding the oil. Keep being in connection with the Holy Spirit allow that flow to get in your life. The oil is potent, the oil is powerful and it's useful, it's useful. Which is so confronting when Elijah asked for it because the widow had so little. (laughs) I mean, here, here she is affected by the situation that everyone else is affected by, no fault of her own, actually, and she's asked, being asked for what little she, she has. Now, I know Elijah is only asking for a little. Can we be straight? He's, it's not like he's asking for a lot. In the context, if we isolate the situation, what the prophet is asking for is only a little, but what she's got is only a little. How many people know it's really confronting when a little is a lot? Like, like we see this, more evidently, no more evidently than the tithe. It's week two. I didn't speak about the tithe in week one. I waited till week two. Now I have a green light. But this is where we see it on display, in the tithe. It doesn't matter whether you've tithe from the beginning of your first paycheck or now that it's got zeros in it, you know, and then you're trying to give it. The tithe is only a little compared to what God provides. But so often because of the way we manage our life, the tithe is a lot. So it's difficult to give. God's like, it's a tenth. I've given you so much, would you just bring back to me a little? But God, that's a lot. God's only asking for a little, but but but, but is it a lot? And this is what's confronting because in this situation, Elijah's asking for a little. Now, now, I gotta say this, no matter which way I look at this, I feel it's obnoxious. I don't know, I've, tried, I've read it many different versions. I've read it in many different scenarios and situations and different translations and every time I still think it's obnoxious especially after he finds out it's all she's got. Like I would expect in that moment, she's excused. Like, uh, uh, prophet, I know you only asked for a little bit, but I've only got a little bit, then I'm gonna die. That would be the moment, go, oh, sorry. Uh, excuse, I'll find another widow. You know, <laughs> I, I, I just assumed, I just assumed that you had an abundance. Yeah. That's why God chose you. Oh, I, I, I am so sorry that, that for my request. Let me, because you don't have a lot, let me excuse you from God using you. Let me go on the search for somebody who is already flowing with oil because then God gets the glory, right? Like that's how I often approach the passage. Like I, I thought God, it's a little obnoxious, Elijah, to go ahead and ask her when she revealed she only got a little, how dare God, out of all the people that he could have chosen, why, what, a, what a mean God to ask her, to ask this girl who doesn't have much in life. She got a bundle of sticks, a handful of flour, a little oil, and then she gone, like that is so like God. That is so, exactly. And I like this because I feel like this has been driven home to me more and more than ever in this season. Like people are just sending me stuff. People are literally sending me stuff. People are literally sending me articles. I've got articles of church millennials leaving church. That's the articles, like several different articles. I don't know if all the journalists get together and go, what are we gonna do right now? We've pushed the virus enough. Let's do this. People are leaving the church. So that's the situation I got going on. I got people sending me documents and articles and situations, and, and I love it. I read this one thing. I got to read it, make sure I read it right because the, the quote got me. And, and this was the quote by ex church goer. Didn't even say their name, they just went by status. I'm an ex church goer. Oh, I used to do that. I used to do what you people did. But I'm smarter now. And he says, he, This was his quote churches want too much from you. He said, The church just wants all your money and time. I really felt empathy because I wanted to write to whoever this ex-church girl was and I think, oh my brother, I feel like you got it mistaken. You're talking about golf. That wants all your money and time. Trust me, I know. I, any golfers out here, you know what I'm talking about. That will, take your, that will take your marriage. I'm telling you, it will take everything you got. Not the church. Not the church. But I'm convinced yeah. that's how we frame Everything God's got for us. We frame what God's got by what God wants from us. We we, we really think that God just wants, because when I came here, I thought I was gonna come to the church, I was gonna come to Christ, I was gonna get blessings. But now you want me to serve? And you want me to give? You want me to show up every week? I don't even get to golf every week. You want me to come every single, that's how we, like God, like, like God wants, he's so demanding. How obnoxious of God. Doesn't he know what I'm going through? I've been in the splash zone of my family's debt for years. I've been in the result of all these things that have been piling on my life. If God had any sympathy, he would excuse me from the expectations that he puts on everybody else. I'm trying to get my way out of things that I didn't do. I didn't quit my job. I got fired. God, don't you care? You still want me to give him when I lost my job? All I'm looking at is what God wants from me. If we understand the situation, it's interesting because that's how often we look at it. Like God's, I only got a little, but God's asking a lot. However, when we're in that mindset, it's so easy to miss what this passage is actually saying. Because if we understand this situation with the widow correctly, Elijah didn't Ask her to give him her oil. He asked her to use her oil. I got to preach this correctly. He didn't say, oh, oh, you got a little oil? Give it to me. That's what I need. Yep, like a tax. He didn't say, give me your oil. He said, put it to work. He said, put it to work. Yeah. Oh, oh, you got a little oil? Cool, because I asked for a cake. I'm glad you got some. Could put it, put it to work. Put it, to, check it out. I'm gonna read it so you believe me. After revealing she only had a little oil, it says in verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. First, bake me a cake. Now, can I get my cake out here? I'm gonna go multi-level in the illustration today. Because they are in a fast. I mean, we're in a fast, they're in a famine. <laughs> Sounds the same, feels the same. And says, just bake me a little cake. I didn't know you could spontaneously salivate. I didn't know that was a thing. I've seen my dog drool, but you know, this smells good. It feels good. It's, It's spongy. It's like fluffy, like, like the the, the texture, you know. It's interesting. You'll go through seasons where you'll see things from another vantage point, right? Like I've never spent this long holding, cornbread. Usually doesn't last long in my mitts. You know what I mean? It's like from the plate to the mouth, and that's it. But just to feel it, it feels, dense. It's got the makeup's actually fascinating. Pastor Vance, come up here. Aaron, come up here, up here. Just come up, just come up here. Just, just break that open for me. Break it between you. Like break bread, like, like it's communion. Oh, doesn't that look good? Go show somebody, go show, break it, break it in front of them. Just, just break it in front of them. For, how many people have been fasting for 10, nine days now? Go find someone with their hand up. Go and just, just, just break it in front of them. Just, just let them smell the, the texture, the composition. Alright, sit down. Sit down. The composition its, it's fascinating. Because it doesn't look like oil. It doesn't look like oil at all. Like, hey, stop eating it. Can you put it? Give, give me one piece. Give me one piece. Just give me one piece. Give me one piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah put it on here. This doesn't look the same as this. It doesn't look. This. Looks limited. But trust me, it's in here. It's in, it's in the mix. It smells delicious. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's hunger that makes you appreciate these things. I, I don't know. But, but I'm thinking about the composition of the cake for a moment and what goes into making a cake. It's actually kind of fascinating. You need a few raw elements. That's what you need. You need oil, you need some flour, probably a couple of other things. I'm not a baker, but, 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 but heat... You need heat. So I she was getting the sticks, you need the heat. And out of that, cake. It's amazing. Cake comes from that. And it's so interesting that maybe we have some elements for something, but we're just seeing it as the raw element. Wow. See, this comes from this. This, this is in this. Yeah. You don't see it, but it's in it. Everyone say in it. I wonder how often we disqualify the little we have because we see it in its raw element as oil but miss the fact that God has other elements or other ingredients and He also has the heat to make something from it. Stay with me, stay with me. I know i have got to bring this to an end but this is gonna get good because we still see it as oil. We're we're limited. We just see it as oil. We see it as a a little, little bit of oil. God, you want more from me? You really want to, you're really gonna ask me for the little that I've got? How obnoxious God. You know, in this this series, I'm trying to remind us that God is infinite. That's really how I wanna start this year. I wanna remind us that God is infinite. Meaning there's no measure, there's no limit to God. The the subline is God is in it, because I love this, because in it is infinite. It's so cool. The levels on this series is gonna blow your mind by the time we're done, but God is in it. Like the oil and the cornbread, God is in it. Whatever God wants from you, He's in it. He wants to be a part of it. He's in it. But don't miss the fact that in the finite, He's also in it. He's not just in the celestial skyscape. He's also in the finite elements that go into making a cake. God's in it. God's in the molecules. God's in the small. God's in the details. God's in it. And and I think it's important for us to understand that God actually works most evidently through the finite. Because while God's in it, if you miss something at the beginning is He wants to bring I into it too. He He wants to bring me in it. That's the purpose of God. More than even just revealing that He's in it, He wants to bring you in it. That's how God works. This is how God reveals Himself, is that His whole goal is to bring you into His plan to redeem humanity. God can do anything. Did you know this God can do anything? He's infinite. We've already established that. There's many indications through the Bible of miracles where God just does stuff because He's God. He needs to get stuff done. Like in this situation, God did not need to use a widow. God could have literally caused an olive tree to bring up through the ground, all of a sudden mature for all the olives to fall off, they make a press, they make the oil, then they eat the cake. But God's like, in my creative ways, how can I actually get? Because you've got the widow who thought she was just in the splash zone of life you got the widow who thought she was just an innocent bystander about to live her life out and die. Something else is going on in there. But God is so big. God in His infinite plan, He has got levels to it. Yeah, He's trying to show Ahab something, but at the same time, He's trying to teach the prophet. And at the same time, He's trying to bring a widow to be the least likely provider for the miracle for God's servants. God is trying to do something very difficult with just a little. gets this great glory. See, you're busy looking at it as just oil, disqualifying it because it's oil. What if in, instead of seeing it as a, as a little oil, I'd see it as essential oil? Instead of disqualifying the little, I would see it as essential. I'd like you to see you make cake without oil. I'd like to see you do it with just flour. Just go ahead, be flat old crappy thing. No, no. I... Guys, like, you're so busy disqualifying just the little you got, but it's essential to the whole mix. It's essential to the whole mix. You're so bitter wondering why God wants from you all the time. God's like, I'm trying to invite you in with what you've got. You're just qualifying what you've got, but God's like, you got something, bring it to the mix. I wanna include you in the journey. God just wants from me. No, I want for you to be in the mix, to be a part of the miracle because I'm moving on the earth and I'm changing things and I'm stirring things and I want you to be a part of it. I want you to have the reward of saying, I was in that. God gave me something. It's only a little, but it's essential. You ever set through an essential oil seminar? You will be convinced by the end that there are oils you're lacking in your life. That there are daily oils you need to ingest, there's things you need to rub on your skin. You, you, you. God's trying to remind you there's oils you're missing. You've been, you've been, you've been missing the oils you've got. But God's not trying to sell them, He's trying to get them from you to get them into the mix. you got, I don't know what your oil is. I know what your oil is. Oil is just an indicator of what it is that God's calling on you to give. Maybe it's opening your home, maybe it's giving finances, maybe it's giving you gifts in the house of God, maybe it's serving in some capacity. I don't know what it is. God asks all of us for different elements. It's not the same, it's it's, it's stuff, we've all got stuff dare God ask me for that? God, I've only got a little. Oh, should He use somebody else? Should He? This is not the right season. We've just had kids. Oh, should we come back at another time? Should we? Like the church put so much pressure on people to give. Oh, when's a better time? Let us know or could we just be obedient to God to know that He's got His hand on your life and that He wants to provide for you in miraculous ways. And I don't wanna say you're no for you because your little is element is actually essential to the mix that God brought you into. And He's like, I wanna use you. God is in it. God is in it. He's in it. I wonder if God is more interested in inviting you in to invest what you have into the mix of what He's doing. What if you're not just accidentally sitting in the splash zone? (laughs) But what if you're being invited in intentionally, but you're missing it? Just because it was a situation that wasn't caused by you doesn't mean you're not the solution. We've been conditioned to say that wasn't my fault. Not everyone in the mix is there to blame. Some people are there to build and to fix and to break strongholds and to set people free. That's how God works. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.